0: You know, if you're anything like me, um, today we have questions. We have big questions. Uh, One of the big ones is that giant, enormous question that says, Why? And that other question that says, What in the world has God up to? I mean, think with me for a moment. Here's kind of the way my mind thinks. Um, 2004, there was a tsunami. if you weren't alive for it, then maybe you've heard about it. There was this giant earthquake in the Indian Ocean, and it, uh, it, it generated, I think it was around May. And here's what the experts say about that, that it released 20, uh, the equivalent, the energy of 23,000 Hiroshima-type atomic bombs. That was the equivalent. 23,000 of those, and a tsunami was created from that earthquake, and it unleashed a a series of these killer waves that swept through the Indian Ocean, and by the end of the day, by the end of the day, about 200,000 people were dead. Wow. Then we think about Earthquakes. We we generally don't fear tsunamis uh, here, but earthquakes. We think about earthquakes. In April of 2015, uh, in Nepal, there was an 8.0 earthquake, and by the end of that short earthquake, 8,583 people were dead. In Haiti. January the 12th, 2010, close to 200,000 dead from an earthquake. Now, something that we do uh, fear here a little bit more is a tornado. April 2011, there was one of these things they call a super outbreak across the South. April 2011, 324 people killed in that super outbreak in the United States. Then a tornado ripped through Joplin, Um, and in Joplin, Missouri, on that night, 158 people were killed and more than 1,000 injured. And then, that's just nature, but then we look at humanity, and we all know or are quite aware that on September 11, 2001, almost 3,000 people were killed by terrorists in the United States and we think how can
1: how can god be good
0: if he allows things like this now that might be far removed for us but what's not far removed for us is what happened yesterday to our very own family here and i want to be honest with you i i i may never have enough life experience for me to be able to help us navigate this. The truth is even pastors have to rely upon other people when they get overwhelmed. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that many times, many times in my life, I have had to rely upon a a biblical expert to help me when suddenly God, didn't make sense. So I want to share with you as best I can in detail what he taught me. You see, devastation causes us to ask questions. It does. I I have this morning already shared many questions that we have asked together. Devastation causes us to ask questions. So when uh, our current reality, in other words, what we are experiencing right now, uh, it, with our our when our current reality is in conflict with our image and our view of God then we're wise to not ignore that maybe as we were growing up maybe we didn't talk about things as much and maybe things were just kind of pushed aside when our reality didn't line up with what we thought about God. And maybe we just pushed those aside. But I think it's wise for us to instead ask, okay, if our reality, what we're experiencing right now, is not lining up with what we have been believing about God, then perhaps we do need to ask this question, who, who is
1: God? If God
0: is not the God that makes sure that kids get home safe at night? then
1: who is God? If God is not the
0: God who heals all cancer and who heals all disease, then who is God? If God is not the God that makes sure that innocent people don't die, then who is God? If God is not the one who feeds the hungry, all of the hungry, all the children around the world, then who is God? And if God is not the one who answers the prayers that say, please protect me, please protect my family, keep me safe, deliver me, help me, all those help me prayers, if God is not the one who answers them, then Who is this God? Perhaps we've been believing in a God that doesn't even exist. Perhaps we've imagined a God and how He ought to behave and how He ought to do and how He should function in this world. And we have imagined that and we have been holding on to that and holding on to that idea And we've been asking him to meet our standard, believing in a God as we would like him to be. Or perhaps you've come to the conclusion if there were a good and perfect God, then he certainly wouldn't let this happen. So there must be no God. Because God, as you've imagined him, That idea doesn't settle with our current reality, what we're experiencing today. So maybe you came to the conclusion in your own life there must be no God. But I want to say maybe there's a better question today. Instead of God, why, which is the very same question I've been asking, but instead of God, why, maybe we need to discover who are you? God. Really. I mean, not the God I have imagined, not the God I have created, not the God who I have said, this is how I think you should function. But who are you, God? Who are you? The truth is, I I feel like, even though we don't like to admit it, as we look through history, the truth is God has actually used weather even and circumstances even. We see it in the old covenant and we've seen it in the new covenant and he's used some weather, he's used some circumstances to get people's attention that might stop them in their tracks and lead them to ask the question, who is this God? And we're not comfortable with that. It makes me uncomfortable. It might make you uncomfortable. We don't like what we see sometimes in the Old Covenant, in the New Covenant where there has been tragedy. We, we don't like that. We don't like to admit it, but sometimes in the midst of nature taking its toll on humanity, like I just read with tsunamis and earthquakes and tornadoes, sometimes those things lead us to ask the question, Who is? God? And it's a good question. And I believe we can find some answers to that question if we go to the very first book of the Bible, and it's the book of Genesis. Now, before, before you write me off um, for believing, you write me in such an ancient book, the book of Genesis, before you write me off, I, I do want to say this, so just kind of hang in here with me for a moment. Um, Jesus actually believed the Genesis account. He believed it. And so if you can die and come back to life, if you can predict that and pull it off, I'm just going to go with Jesus, okay? I am a simple guy. I'm not telling you, you have to, but Jesus actually believed the Genesis account. So I want to look... There, for some answers to some of what we're experiencing today. So here's what I would like you to do though. So um, as I read through this and and Bryce is uh, gonna have this on the screen, um, every time I come to the word "good, I, I've got I think I have it in a different color on the screen, but when I hit that word, would you read that word out loud with me? Just that word. i to find some of our answers today. Genesis chapter one. I think I'm going to have to pull out my glasses here. Oh, much better. Genesis one, one through four. As we're, this is where we're going to start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good.
1: I think it's good for us this morning to remember God created something good.
0: Then he separated the light from the darkness. Here's our next section. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God, God called the dry ground land and the waters seas and God saw that it was good. Good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation of every sort of seed-bearing plant and the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came and that in plants and the trees. Then the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and the trees uh, with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and the trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came marking the fifth day. And God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of animals, livestock, and small animals, each to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Did you notice we just read a portion there where God actually commanded Adam and Eve to do two things. He commanded them to rule all of this creation and to subdue the creation. That was their job, to rule and to subdue. In other words, everything in all creation was under their authority. And it goes on in verse 31. Then God looked over all he had made And he saw one more time with me that it was very good, right? And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. This is so important. Bryce is going to put it on the screen for us. When God created it, when he created all of this, it was just the way he wanted it. And it was just the way we want it right now. And it was. Just the way now we feel it ought to be. Read that in your mind while it's on the screen. Let that sink in. When God created it, it was just the way he wanted it. And it was the way we want it right now. And it was just the way now we feel it ought to be. So what in the world happened? If that's the way God created it, what in the world happened? How did we allow evil to creep in? Why does nature around us not cooperate with humanity? And even beyond that, why does humanity not cooperate with humanity? Why do we find the very first murder we ever find recorded happens just chapters after God said everything was very good. How is it that children don't have to be taught how to do wrong? Where does that come from? Because things in the world are not the way that God originally created them to be and we have a sense of that. We know that somehow deep inside. How is it that we even Know that? How is it that we know somehow inside that's not the way it ought to be? How do we know even when a human dies versus when a shrub dies at home in your front yard? How do we know there's a difference there, a big difference? And I know that's a silly thought, but where does that standard come from? We just know. We didn't make it up. How do we know that, that there is a difference? Where did that evil come from? You see, God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and God said, it was great. It was just the way he wanted it. And he gave them one rule. Don't eat from that have He was saying, everything else here is yours. You can have everything, partake of everything. Just don't do that. And if you do that, you will have something that will drive you crazy the rest of your life. You know what that is? You will have the knowledge of good and evil. And I want to suggest to you that that is why we are so aware of, That things right now are not the way they should be. And that knowledge drives us crazy. It infuriates us. You see, we know that it's wrong to abuse children. And when we hear of a child being abused, we are furious and we ought to be because we know that not, that should not be. It's the reason why we try to make kids behave as they're growing up. It's the reason why we try to create a a wrinkle-free life for our families, but we never really seem to make it. Because we know that things should be, and we know how they should be, but we just can't quite get to the point where it actually is, and that infuriates us. And in the moment that sin came into God's perfect creation, the knowledge of good and evil came with it.
1: And that knowledge, it drives us
0: crazy because things are not as we somehow know deep inside that they should be. Now, I find it amazing that God's scripture answers that question for us. And it gives us another clue into dealing with this question of who is God? You see, when they gained the knowledge of good and evil, um, God did what any good father would do. He judged sin. And we might say to God, Well, God, I think you've over judged sin. Think with me for a moment. If you're walking through Walmart and you see a teenage boy yelling at uh, his mom, yelling at his dad, I mean, using profanity, being disrespectful, all in public, very loudly in front of everybody. And if that father or if that mother did nothing, Would you say to that parent or think of that parent, now there's a good parent. There's a good dad. If you go to lunch today and you're eating at a restaurant and um, right beside you at a table is uh, a a family and um, that child at the table, and maybe there's more than one child there. I mean, they're just yelling and screaming. And they're throwing their food around, and it's getting on your table. It's getting in your hair because they just don't want to eat it. And the parent is kind of placating. You've seen it. Would would trying to calm them down, do whatever they want to make them happy, right? You may, maybe you've seen it. Would would you look at that parent and say, "Wow, now that's a great parent." Those are some really
1: good strategies. <laughs> okay.
0: What would we say of a God who allowed his prized creation to be disrespected and disobeyed
1: because there was one
0: single rule that he gave them? And if he allowed this amazing creation to be broken, would you say, now there is a good? Heavenly Father, there is a good God. And I think the answer in our hearts would be no. No, we would not say that. Now think with me. We have seen nature wreck havoc in this land and on humanity. And it's a reminder that we broke God's very good creation.
1: And even now,
0: nature around us is even broken. Even now, the weather is broken, and what we experience is broken. And it is a good God who doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. Listen to what Genesis 3.16 tells us. This is kind of how it played out in the garden as God was casting some judgment because of sin. Verse 16 of Genesis 3. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. Ladies, it's Eve's fault. But that's a momentary, relatively momentary pain. The next pain is a lifelong pain. Listen to this. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You see, at creation, God's plan was a perfect functioning relationship. But now as part of the curse, you're going to have problems in every single relationship in your life this side of heaven. See, it's not just you. Workers, no, no, every family or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your experience, your friends, your coworkers. No, no, every relationship. You see, relationships were meant to work. And as part of the judgments, relationships have broken. They were meant to work, but now every relationship you have is going to be a lifelong struggle. God's not done. He says, and to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed. And I just want to highlight this. God is speaking to Adam. He says, the ground is now broken, Adam, because
1: of you. And I just
0: want to go on record to let you know that it may be very possible that the ground is still broken because of me. Because I really can't point to Adam and say, oh, he blew it because I blow it every single day. And the ground is still broken. In other words, nature, this earth, is broken. And God looked at Adam and said, because of
1: you. Think with me. In this moment,
0: Right before they sinned, everything, according to God, he said, rule and subdue. Everything was under their control. Everything. God gave them that responsibility and he gave them that privilege of a great, perfect world. And it was under their control. He said, you are going to manage. You are going to steward. It belongs to me, but you will manage it. It's under your control. And now, everything that was under their control is now broken.
1: Our authority crushed creation. It's not just your relationships.
0: Not just your relationships, the earth, the ground, the pest, the mosquitoes, the wasps, the venomous snakes, the large predators, cursed, crushed.
1: Our authority crushed it. And yes, even the weather.
0: And all of these things now will now fight against humanity. And God is reminding Adam, all because of you, Adam. He goes on, he says, All your life, Adam, all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Have you ever realized? that you never have to try to grow weeds. I I, I was overwhelmed this morning. I had to go outside and and walk around. And as I looked at the ground, guess what I saw?
1: Weeds. I, I didn't ask them to show up. They're out there in the gravel. No farmer has to plant weeds. They just show up.
0: The farmers know the ground is cursed. We have a cursed ground. And that's why it takes so much time and so much money to make the ground what we want it. God goes on. Uh, he says, It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to the dust you'll return. In other words, God is saying, this side of heaven for the rest of your life, Adam, you are going to fight against everything. You will fight against that you broke. And it will fight against you. And you will fight against it.
1: And right there, right at that moment,
0: my teacher reminded me of this. You know what the moral, moral of this story is? God is
1: great. God is good. If only
0: we had been. God is great. And God is good. If only we had been great and good. And if we think in the midst of tragedy, God, you have gone too far this time. We don't understand how uh, how great and how good God could be. God, you've gone too far. We think to God, God, you have overjudged sin to leave us in a place like this. You've overjudged sin. But that's because we underestimate exactly how good and great he is. And I have a tendency to overestimate how good and great I think I am. And when we feel this sting of a broken world, and when we feel the sting of broken relationships, and the sting of pain and the sting of vicious humanity. And we feel the sting of agony and tragedy. We look at God and we say, God, you've gone too far. This isn't fair. And I believe God would only have to respond, no, you have underestimated my goodness and overestimated yours. You have underestimated the significance of sin in the face of a good and a great God who loved humanity enough to create a perfect environment and then who loved humanity enough to give them the freedom to foul it all up, which we did. And when we're tempted to shake our fist at God and to say, I don't like it. I think we're really saying, even though we don't like to admit it, I think we're really saying, God, God, how can I trust you? I I don't trust you. I don't trust a God who would allow this. And think with me for just a moment because that's the very Thing that led to the very first sin, which brought all the judgment in the first place. Adam and Eve were really saying to God in that moment in the garden, I don't think, God, that I can really trust you. I don't think, God, that you're really telling me the whole story. And God is great and God is good so much so that He judged sin the way it should be judged. And now at this moment, sitting in this room together, we all have the knowledge of good and evil and we know that the world is not the way it should be. And that fact drives us crazy.
1: So here's the next question. Okay, God. Will you do something about it
0: now that we messed it up? And the answer to that is what finally proves how good and how great God actually is. Because immediately after judgment was dispersed, God went to work to solve the problem that we created. And God started His march to the cross right then at that very moment. You see, my mind can't comprehend this, but what has been thousands of years for us, what feels like an eternity to us has just been a few weeks
1: out of the garden with Adam and Eve for God.
0: Just a few weeks. What feels like for us an eternity And God, just a few weeks ago, in God's timeline, in his scale of time, just a few weeks ago, God went to correct this and began to correct this for all time, for all who would surrender to Jesus at the cross. You see, we blew it in the garden. And every day we're reminded that we live in a cursed world and each one of us, we blow it too. I'm not alone. We all blow it every single day, day after day after day. But the cross reminds us that one day God will escort us all into a new heaven and a new earth. All of those who surrender their lives to Jesus at the cross will be escorted into a new heaven and a new earth. And his perfect creation will once again be perfect. So here's my closing thought that we're going to leave on the screen for just a moment. Tragedy reminds us that Things are not as they ought to be. The cross reminds us that one day they
1: will be. And I simply have one next
0: step for us today. I pray that in your own heart and your own life that you will surrender to our heavenly Father. Who by putting on the flesh and blood of man, came to this earth as Jesus and died on the cross for us. And I want you to know that every single hurt that you have experienced in your life and every single hurt that your family has experienced and every single hurt that you brought with you into this room this morning, every single hurt landed upon Jesus On the cross, he who knew no sin
1: became that sin for us. And my hope is
0: that over these next days that you'll surrender to your heavenly father. To our good God who went to the cross to fix our mistake. And this whole series, we have been talking about so far that Jesus is the King. And I want you to know he is a good, good King.
1: Today, I went off series.
0: I finished this about two o'clock this morning, and I took what Cole and I had prepared for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I set it aside. And I, 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 I do want to encourage you sometime, sometime this week, maybe, maybe go onto YouTube, go go to Facebook, and catch what Cole is teaching in this series. And go catch that today. We have one more week of it, but I want you to know this. So we have, this is week five, what Cole is teaching in Stuttgart. Then we have week six. And then the next week, the last Sunday in February, we begin a new series. And here's where we're going. We're staying in the book of Mark, but here's what's going to happen. We are following this
1: King, God, Jesus. We're going to follow him all the way to the cross.
0: And I hope you'll be a part of it. Because as confused as we are right now, as hurt as we are right now, as stunned as we are right now,
1: Jesus understands. And Jesus cares.
0: And no matter what happens in this life,
1: in this broken world in which we live, Jesus is still Lord. And he died for you. Let's pray.
0: God, we have no words. And at some moments since last night, we have no feelings. We're numb. God, as best we can, we ask that your spirit would do what only your spirit can do in our lives, and that is to begin the process of bringing peace to our hearts. And as best we can, we understand that even in our own lives, as we look tragedy in this broken world in the face, somehow, even as we know it's not right and we know that it's broken, we ask that you give us the hope that you will not waste these hurts that we have. Thank you for the picture. Thank you for the picture that you gave us God in the old covenant that reminds us that you collect our tears. You value them. And you place them in a bottle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.